Welcome to the GT Reboot. This week, Shadow of Mordor's sequel, Shadow of War, was delayed into October, and also Square Enix had some announcements. One, that Kingdom Hearts 3 is probably not going to be playable until 2020, and the Final Fantasy VII Remake is now being taken over in development by Square Enix itself. Also, Travis Northup is here to talk about Destiny 2. So excited you're here. Let's boot up. Welcome to another episode of the GT Reboot. My name is Joe DeClara. I am the news editor at Gaming Trend, and I am joined once and for always by my uh, co-friend, co-editor, co-host. That is one Mike Pierce. Mike, how are you? Hi, always and forever, Joe. How are you doing? I'm today? well. Did we get married again this week? We did. Well, we here, you, like- you know, yeah, it's actually not very accurate because I say once and for always, but it's, it isn't always because last week I bailed on you guys and you had to do the podcast without me. So it's not always. It's only some of the times or most of the time at the best. Did you say, did you say w- once and for always? Is that what you're saying? For what? Yeah, I think so. What did I say? That's like. I don't know, but it sounds like a bastardization between like wedding vows and the three musketeers. <laughs> all for one and one for all. One for yeah. all and all for one is how they yeah. actually say it. And then like Yeah, I think mm. you're right. Yeah. That's okay. We're somewhere in between the two. We'll be the four musketeers today or something. There are technically like four musketeers, to- so that we're yeah. we're still okay. But anyway, would you like to introduce the other two musketeers? <laughs> I guess we might as well. So we are joined once and for always by uh, one Christian DeCoster. Christian, hello. Hello, even though I too was not here last week. Yeah, and always, uh, 100% of the time, we are always joined by one Hunter Wolf. Hunter, how are you? Hey, listen. All right. Never a good He gets fired frequently, that. too. We should yes, point that it's out. True. It happens. I keep it's hacking a- my way back into these, uh, these Skype sessions. That's how I do it, you know? That's how we do. Yeah, we are all here. Uh, this is like kind of the semi-regular crew, so I feel sort of okay yeah. saying that. Uh, Squad. We do have a lot to talk about today, though. Uh, it is pre-E3 season, uh, which is always uh, inundated with tons of leaks, tons of uh, pre-show announcements uh, for various reasons. Uh, we have several of those. Uh, we also make some time, though, this week. I'm going to speak with uh, one of our editors, Travis Northup, about Destiny 2. He got to go to the event mm-hmm. in L.A. a couple weeks ago to play some of that, and uh, we'll be talking to him about that. But before all that, we're going to talk about Middle-Earth Shadow of War, the sequel planned for Middle-Earth Shadow of Mordor. Uh, we have uh, several people very excited about this game, as well as plenty of our readers and plenty of people worldwide. Uh, Shadow Mordor was very popular. We talked about it on the podcast before, but uh, we found out recently that though we were all excited about the August release that they had announced, uh, it is now going to be another two, three months away, two months away before we actually play this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, announced today by the studio Monolith, uh, Monolith Productions, that is. Uh, The game Middle-Earth Shadow of War will not be released until October 10th, so it has been hit by the D-Lazors, if you will. So, gentlemen, what do you think of uh, the situation at hand with Middle-Earth Shadow of War? 
Um, well, just to oh. oh, go ahead. Go ahead, oh, I, Christian. I'm I'm sorry. I I was just gonna say uh, I as soon as they announced it, uh, the release date felt kind of optimistic to me because it was only announced like a month or two ago. And I remember that thinking like, that's a really small window of time. So I, I'm not a hundred percent surprised, but no, I'm excited for it. I played uh, shadow of Mordor when it was on the PS three, when it shouldn't have been on the PS three because there were loading screens to take you to the menus. Sure. Like the pause, the pause menu had a loading screen in that game. Right, I do remember the. Uh, yeah. It was one of those uh, crossover games uh, during yeah. that bridging period, and that uh, it was one of the first games to come out for both. That was just it was a debilitating ga- uh, version of the game on last gen consoles. But uh, yeah, I agree. It definitely seemed optimistic. It was the first we had heard in, a f- in an official capacity about the game. Uh, the, some it had leaked uh, only a couple of days prior to the announcement of the game. And some people had heard something about it. I had heard something about it. Wasn't too sure though. And yeah, it uh, sounded great because they announced yeah. the game and announced the release date all in one fail swoop. And yeah, now with, it's with delayed. A phenomenal, with a phenomenal trailer as well. Like that mm. first, that first trailer was like, Oh, this is what our game is. Here is how it works. It looks awesome. Well, yeah, they came out with a, yeah. a, a concept trailer, like the, uh, the a actual you know cinematic trailer, but then right. only like a couple weeks later or something, I forget. But yeah, they had a full demo for us. So they, it seemed strange. Like I can't imagine they didn't know that it wasn't going to be ready by August when they announced that it was August. Like it was close right. enough to that point where they might have started realizing this is going to be a little out. Like if they had announced August a year ago, say – August 2016, it makes perfect sense for them to delay the game. But to do that, I'm sort of reminded of Batman Arkham Knight uh, when they announced that game and showed it off at E3, said it's coming out in September or whatever, or even August, I forget what date. And then they announced just after E3, just after they had their big blowout, uh, they announced that it's going to be way ahead, seven or eight months to June, they were going to delay it so it's like you knew that this game was not coming out that fall you just announced it for the fall because of whatever reasons maybe it's uh to get investors interested it's to uh just i i assume that so this i'm confused by uh because you certainly knew that it wasn't ready in my opinion uh but uh hunter and mike do you guys make anything of this what was the uh, initial release date for the game? It was this August. August 22nd. It, oh, it was this August. Okay. Yeah, because I was going to say if it was earlier, maybe they didn't want to compete with all the post-E3 games, hubbubaloo. But yeah, maybe it's just publisher pressure. Maybe the game is almost finished and they thought, yeah, we could take the extra two or three months to iron out some bugs Um if the publisher wanted them to push it to a later date, I don't know who publishes these games though. Uh, it's uh, a WB, War- I yeah, think. Yeah, it's a it's Warner it? Brothers yeah. game. Yeah. Oh, is it? Do they have any other games slated for this year? I don't know actually, but uh, I would be surprised uh, if it was like pressure from the publisher. Gen- generally, I hear that uh, pressure from the publisher comes when uh, they want the game out the door when they want it out earlier. Mm, and right. I think August sounded like a great time for it because there's not a lot going on then often. 
uh, and certainly a big blockbuster like this uh, could perform well in that summer lull. Although that's approaching Q, you know, that's Q3 area. That's when things are starting to ramp up into that late September, October, November triple uh, a blowout where everyone's uh, coming out with their call of duties and their destiny and their battlefront yeah. and uh yeah all of that yeah. comes out so it's funny that they it's interesting that they uh delayed it right into that uh field where all these games are going to be coming out uh it's good for getting it out in the holiday season but bad for getting it around other games although i don't know what else is releasing around october 10th so it's interesting mm. to say the least. Assassin's Creed. <laughs> Assassin's Creed, very oh, okay. possible. To be yeah. determined. Mike, would you be playing Shadow of War if it uh came out in August rather than October? Shadow of Mordor is what you're what you're talking about. Shadow of War was the old one. Shadow of War is the new one, sir. Oh. Shadow yes. of Mordor, yeah. Oh, you're right. They're both Damn. Shadow okay. of War is a bad name, regardless. So yeah. I forgive it. But anyway, they're so close that it's like one, and it, you know, and you're so used to like yeah. ones and twos and everything for sequels. It's it's confusing. But um, yeah, I totally. I'm I'm still gonna play it. And actually, you know, if they've got any problems with it, I'm glad they're delaying it. I hate it when shit comes out early and it's got a whole bunch of problems. So I would prefer that they delay it and um figure out whatever those bugs are and solve them and then release it later. I'm happy to wait. So, um, I mean, I agree with you that the end of August would have been better. It would have stood on its own more. It would have, it probably would have stood out from the crowd more because now they're going to be, like you said, right in the middle. I mean, what is October or something now where uh, I'm looking for it here. I think it's October 10th or something like October that. October 10th. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, you know, you're kind of right in the heart of, like, the holiday release period. All the big yeah. AAA stuff is going to be coming out. And so I'm a little worried uh, in that sense that it might underperform in terms of sales a little bit because it might it might get buried. We don't we don't know that for sure. sure. But um, other than that, I really don't have any problem with it. I mean, they're they're taking a great nemesis system and a great world and making it way more involved. And way more ambitious mm-hmm. and if they're able to achieve a lot of the stuff that they've been showing off in those trailers then this has got to be way more complicated than their first game by by leaps and bounds so if they're taking some extra time to make it seamless i'm all for it so no no problems no complaints from my end i think it's great Ambitious sounds like the word for sure. It's like this gigantic step up from what they yeah, had before. Big. Nemesis, it totally is. Nemesis like, systems on like both sides and uh, just the actual scale just looked uh, absurd. It almost looked cliche, like, you know, a bigger and better sequel. But I mean, uh, I only hear great things about Shadow of Mordor, so I expect it to be uh, definitely a contender uh, for I just, games around that time. Uh, my only hope for this one, for Shadow of War, is that it doesn't... Um, have you guys played Shadow? I think we already talked about this. Have yeah. any of you played it? So, yeah. Christian, I'm curious if you had this. Um, for the first couple of hours, I was super into Shadow of Mordor. And was really, really enjoying it. And the combat was great. And the storyline was pretty cool. And the nemesis system was really fun. And then there was a point... Uh, maybe 10 hours in or something like that where you sort of felt like, all right, 
now this is getting a little bit repetitive. Like, I feel like I've started, I've already done all this. Yeah, the location is changing a little bit and maybe I'm going into a different base or or something like that. But, but we've, we've reached a saturation point and like, I'm just kind of, I'm just going through the paces now and jumping over the same hurdles that I jumped over before to reach the end of the game. Right. And I hope that the sequel doesn't feel that way. That's my biggest hope for this one. Well, I, I think my main thing with uh, Shadow of Mordor, uh, full disclosure, didn't finish the main story of it mm. because yep. uh, the the main story didn't really grab me. But all the little things like the nemesis system and like right. hunting hunting down the traitors and like grabbing them, and being like, "Oh, what's this guy's weakness?" and they'd be like, "Oh, he's afraid of bees." And then you like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then you use that to like kill him. Like I I thought that was such a cool system. And the fact they had to go through so much and like there were special events and where people would be like fighting and you could be like, oh, I'll use that to my advantage and like get the guy I've been hunting down. It was like really cool. Uh, Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. I was thinking just about the term nemesis system. I totally uh, I only did one playthrough, but I totally understood why they called it a nemesis system, because I had this one boss and I don't remember what his name. It was like something the little you know like <laughs> like blackheart the little or something like that hmm. because he was small like yeah yeah he was small for an orc but he was super tough and he kicked the shit out of me at least 3 times in a row like two <laughs> two or three of which because i stumbled upon him without realizing he was there and i was already in the middle of combat and then he just came by and dealt me like the killing blow but I this motherfucker killed me so many times. He went from like the lowest of the low to one of the top war chiefs in the whole thing just because he killed me like four times. Right. Wow. And he absolutely became my nemesis. And God, I tell you what, I was so fucking happy when I cut that dude's head off <laughs> at the end. Like I was just like, yes. And I just I like I think I just like stood up and started swearing and going nuts right when I killed that motherfucker. I, God, I was so happy. I, I love the nemesis system just because you get stories like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I think they should change, though, is um, they had you know how they, they had the pool of names and like titles and uh, yeah, yeah. one one guy and the guy who was like my version of that character, his name was Douche, <laughs> 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 and that was in the name pool. And uh, as he got like as he killed me and like I killed him a few times but you know they can like come back and they're like oh you didn't really kill me and they just have like a scar on their face or something so he he rose through the ranks and like there would be like orcs chanting like douche douche yeah. douche <laughs> oh, and i'd just be like this is the guy who keeps killing me <laughs> it's like that scene oh, in uh, guardians was it guardians 2 taser face oh yeah he was he just, was, he just was landed like, on a great name he was my taser face your taser face such a good Uh, game though i'm so pumped for this sequel i'm so pumped you guys you guys all have to play it even if you haven't played the first one i think i have the first one it's in the backlog you know what i mean it's on xbox one somewhere but my xbox one is somewhere stacked up on a bunch of stuff because there's just not enough room for it it's it's just one of those games It, it made its way to the backlog and now it may never get its make its way out but it mm-hmm. looks great this game looks great I, I do hope uh, I don't want to keep uh, beating this horse, but like I want I do hope that it does well regardless of its release date. But we did see a lot of issue with issues with games sequels 
uh, sequels of very popular IPs, like, say, Watch Dogs 2 and Dishonored 2 and uh, some other games that just didn't perform too well that were sequels and that released last year during the holiday season. Uh, and I hope we don't see another trend with this game. Uh, these guys are doing something special, it seems, something that a lot of people thought would be the future of games, you know, something like this Nemesis system that hasn't been adopted. So if these guys are the only ones doing it, I hope they continue to do it and do it well. Okay, so next up in the news segment, uh, Square Enix news, as always, is just filled with uh, the lack of news or the lack of uh, things to come, because that's just generally what Square Enix is. It's a, it's a uh, perpetual experience of lacking, right? We're, we're, we expect this game to come out, it doesn't. We expect Final Fantasy XV, it just never comes out. Until it does, of course. Mm. Uh, but we got two of those games right now in development, uh, with quotation marks in development. Uh, we heard earlier in the week about Kingdom Hearts 3 and the lack of Kingdom Hearts in our future, uh, which, mm. in my opinion, could be seemed predictable. Uh, the game... Uh, according to Square Enix and according to some people, is probably not going to be out due before, say, 2020, which is, uh, in my opinion, something I could have expected. In fact, I would be surprised if it came out by then even. Uh, say maybe a fall mm -hmm. 2020 game. And now, just this week, a uh, few days ago, we heard uh, from the developers themselves uh, with a translation courtesy of Kotaku that Square Enix has moved Final Fantasy VII the remake, that's the episodic remake of the uh, 90s Final Fantasy game, uh, they have moved that from a CyberConnect 2 game to a an in-house Square Enix game. So originally, CyberConnect 2 was uh, set up to develop this game, and or at least the first episode of it, because it's going to be an episodic game, because... Clearly, Final Fantasy VII, too large a game to do in one mm. fell swoop, as I like to keep saying today. But uh, they were going to be helped out by Square Enix, but now it looks like Square Enix is coming in, and they are going to be taking the reins from here on out. So what that means to me, and I'm just uh, guessing, this is, not, this is just speculation, what that means to me is that this game is essentially... Whatever work was done is being scrapped, and they're building it again from the ground up. Because I can't imagine uh, Square Enix moving in with devs who haven't been working with everything, haven't been working with the engine and with uh, you know the build and assets, uh, and just I can't imagine them familiarizing themselves with everything and then continuing the process. I imagine this game, this is just speculation, is has been scrapped and is being rebuilt now. Uh, but I'm wondering what you guys think of the matter. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I know in the case of, like, what was it, Disney Infinity, when that studio, well, I guess that, that studio shut down, and the new studio that's, or what was that Disney game that, was it Cars? It was the team that was working on Disney Infinity. There was a feature in Game Informer, and that, that studio shut down. Avalanche? Sure. 
I, I forget what um, it is, but it's it's a Disney, yeah, first party studio. Well, yeah, a new a new studio acquired th- that talent, and then they just picked up production. Now they're producing this new Cars video game, but it's a lot of the team that worked on um, the other stuff. So maybe they oh, acquired talent, but yeah. Okay, I have. We haven't heard anything about uh, layoffs or anything from CyberConnect Two, uh, or if they were like just fired and they were said like you you screwed it up. We haven't heard anything like that. I just you know I speculate on those things, but uh, I assume Tinsel that hat yeah, well, I assume that that's the situation. Uh, maybe we hear in a couple of weeks about layoffs. Maybe we don't. Maybe uh, this is just. Uh, them reformatting their uh their hopes for the game or their their expectations of it um but uh christian are you a fan of the final fantasy sevens are you in Mm. any way invested i i know very little about final fantasy i know even less about final fantasy 7 i was excited because i was like oh i'll finally get a chance to play final fantasy 7 without picking up a playstation and a copy of it on the playstation and now, as I'm seeing more and more of it, I'm getting less and less excited. Sure. Because, uh, like, first it was when they showed the reveal trailer, and it's like, oh, it's not turn-based anymore. So they're completely redoing that. Yeah. And then it's it's an episodic game. And I don't quite get how you can... Well, I understand you can make an RPG episodic. You can make anything episodic. Sure. But it just it just sounds weird to me to make an RPG, which is just such, like, an open, huge thing. And cut it into bite-sized pieces. Yeah. So I just the more I hear about it, the less and less excited I am for it. I guess. Well, I don't think it yeah, was going to be best. I, I'm sorry, Hunter. Go ahead. I was going to say it'll just be interesting to see how um, your character like progression moves from each episode because wasn't I didn't play Final Fantasy VII, but wasn't it a more linear experience? Yeah, it was generally a linear experience. Oh, okay. You eventually get the airship, just like any Final Fantasy game, and then you can kind of backtrack and explore the world and, uh, you know, scale your characters up as you get ready for the ending. Sephiroth is uh, such a bitch of uh, of a boss, so it's definitely something you end up doing. Uh, yeah, but, but like... Yeah, the episodic nature of it, I think it's interesting. Uh, I don't know how the airship situation would work in that regard uh but i think though what's what they're doing is they're just making it a trilogy i don't think it's going to be episodic in the nature of a telltale game or say Mm. the hitman series uh it very well could be that uh but or maybe it this is not a real game right now it doesn't exist yet so for all we know they end up uh scrapping that idea and say no it's just going to be one disc it's going to be one game uh but I think that the move they were going to go for, again, just my speculation is that they were going to have just, they were just going to milk this cow and make it into a three game series or something mm. um, just to capitalize on it. And really, I, I, I'm not offended by that idea. I just, I'm not too interested because I do believe we're just never going to play this game. And uh, it's just yeah. going to be another, another uh, Final Fantasy 15 story, if you will. So, uh, I'm not too worried about it. I just think it's just never coming out. Kingdom Hearts, though, I, I know of a lot of people, like, people have seen the game, people have seen footage, and a lot of people are hurting, so I feel for them. That one, that one's frustrating, too, because I think the lead designer on Final Fantasy XV is also the lead designer on um, Kingdom Hearts 3, and after he finished XV, it, it's like Tetsuya Numura, right? Mm. Oh, yeah. He moved... He moved 
completely over to Kingdom Hearts 3, and they released a statement saying that he was like full force on Kingdom Hearts 3 now after years of getting those random like handheld spinoffs and stuff. So sure. the the fact that they just made that statement um, is really surprising. I don't know what's holding up the development, what could be, because we've seen bigger games come out you know, in a, in a shorter, you know, t- typical two to three year development cycle. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that Hunter, because also I forget, forgive me. I don't remember who it was, uh, that they, that was going to be heading the, uh, Final Fantasy seven remake. Uh, but they mm. announced who the director was. They announced the credits and then whoever it was that was, announced as a director made a statement and said like i'm surprised to hear this because i didn't know that i'd be working on final fantasy 7 <laughs> and it's just that's kind of emblematic of square enix because you just mentioned this other scenario where uh you know the guy the lead on kingdom hearts 3 jumped in after the game was apparently underway for a long time and we all know what that means you know underway could mean that they just have a small pre-development team working on something and then it just sits in the corner for a little while you know or maybe it's just concepts and they never really get on it and they just uh put the word out there because they expect things to be done and then they don't get done we don't know what any of this actually looks like on the inside i mean well in the case of kingdom hearts 3 we have gameplay footage um that shows a lot of uh complex mechanics that look like they um, had a lot of time and, and resources invest, invested into them. The only thing I'm thinking with Kingdom Hearts 3 is, if you're not familiar with those games, each level is like a, a Disney world. Yes, right. And each world has its co- completely own art assets and everything. I would imagine maybe they're doing it like world by world, and that's why it's taking so long. I don't know. That's totally possible. I think yeah. I heard something a couple of years ago that uh, – you know what was it um yeah that uh we had all that gameplay we saw it make an appearance at one of the e3s Uh, we saw that demo uh where it wasn't really a gameplay demo but we saw a demo where uh i think it was um maybe it was like fantasia based or it was cinderella based but uh king your kingdom hearts character was riding this uh you know floating train thing uh i forget what Mm, it was yeah so you guys remember okay and shortly after seeing that i hear we hear word that and i i don't think i'm making this up but we hear word that the team is now uh remapping everything and taking the game and bringing it over to unreal engine so they are now using a totally new engine so it's like we had all this stuff Right. We had all these assets like they had spent the time doing. And so that is a good argument against like, no, they haven't just put it on the back burner for specifically Kingdom Mm -hmm. Hearts. Instead, what they've been doing is just redoing a bunch of shit because they're bringing it to a new engine. So I don't know what any of this looks like, but it sounds like a mess. So. And my last like to put on my tinsel hat would be maybe they're trying to get Star Wars in there. Sure. Because now Star Wars is a Disney property. So. I can imagine they've had to go through a lot of, you know, legal hubbubaloo to get to accomplish that. But that's just me conspiring, I guess. Sure. Or wishful well, thinking. Conspiring. Yeah, no. It's like, <laughs> we're going to bring Star Wars all, to Kingdom Hearts, motherfucker. Have you guys all played Kingdom Hearts? It, it's, I, no. Yeah. No. no. Oh, Mike, you would have a field day, man. It's like Disney and Square Enix characters combined. Yeah. Sounds awful. <laughs> no, it's so good. It is. No, a, it sounds it's totally dash, awful. Like, it's Square. It's oh. Square Enix. It's anime and it's Japanese. It has absolutely nothing that I'm interested in. That's fair. 
it's a uh, it's a beloved franchise for sure. Uh, my girlfriend is not a big uh, video game fan, but there are a couple of things that uh, she will break through her uh, adult nature. She likes to pretend she's uh, bigger than this, but uh, she will uh, certainly binge through Kingdom Hearts three whenever it does come out, if it ever does come out. So there's definitely a love for it. But yeah. Mm. I never forgave Square Enix for their complete ruination of the Total uh, Total Annihil or no Supreme Commander franchise. That's what it was. What was oh, that? It. Oh, it was a strategy game from shit. You were probably like eight or something when mm. it was out. I don't know. It, it's pretty old now, but I love <laughs> I loved Supreme Commander one. And man, as soon as Square Enix got their hands on number two, they just fucked it up. They just turned it into this like animated cartoony Japanese garbage strategy game and it was it's just totally worthless it went from amazing to worthless in one in one iteration and I will never ever forgive Square Enix for that crap oh man that's rough <laughs> yeah you get that's one like, shot to I, fuck up a, yeah you get one shot to <laughs> fuck up an entire franchise for my girls and then you're you're gone but Pretty you love much, that hit man yeah. so I don't know you, you love yeah. that they haven't messed that up too bad yet. They really haven't. One of us here is at least a Life is Strange fan. Uh, I believe that's uh, Christian DeCoster here. Uh, Christian was none too pleased to hear that uh, a prequel is quite possibly on the horizon. We heard some reports uh, that the series is going to be going in a retrospective uh, path from here on. I don't know anything about Life is Strange. I played the first episode, uh, and I, I hear good things about it. I hear, as a lot of episodic games do, that it gets better. Uh, has like a lull, but generally is a, a well-regarded game. Uh, so Christian... Without, I guess, spoilers, I I have no claim to ask for yeah. no spoilers. I'm probably not going to play the game, but I guess for listeners, uh, what, and me. what, yeah, and sure, Hunter, right. what, yeah. uh, what about a prequel uh, concerns you or excites you? How are you feeling about this news? Well, uh, first of all, uh, for all of our listeners and everyone here, uh, this month's uh, PlayStation Plus free games uh, includes Life is Strange. So if uh, if you haven't gotten around to it, I'd suggest you play it right now. It's free. Uh, you can easily knock it out in like a weekend. So it's it's really good. Uh, and it's also very different from anything else because it's kind of like based around dialogue and relationships and all that uh, with kind of like a David Lynch type twist uh, with like the superpowers and all that. But anyway, uh, there is so a sequel to Life is Strange uh, when they first announced that, it sounded kind of strange to me because uh, Life is Strange, without spoiling anything, uh, it ends with you making a big choice that leads to two wildly different endings. Uh, and it is not, it's really not possible to uh, have an ending that follows from both of those, like uh, without doing like a massive time skip and then kind of just explaining what happened in the background. So it seems like uh, they're going to do a prequel to Life is Strange instead, or in addition to it, following Chloe, who is uh, another one of the main characters in the game. She's not the protagonist, but um, she's the sort of secondary 
main character. Uh, that at least that's what the concept art looks like. And uh, I, I've got to say, I'm not too excited about it because part of what made Life is Strange so special was uh, you had this power where you could go back in time, mm. and you could uh, use that like in the game to solve puzzles. But you could also use that if you didn't like a choice you made you had like a brief period of time where you could go back and redo it and it kind of led to this like examination of like do you want to see what happens when you try something else or do you want to stick with your choice and just say like i you know i think i made the best choice and you don't get that with this new character so that whole major element of the story is gone also uh you don't know all of this character's backstory but you get enough of it through dialogue that going back and exploring it a second time doesn't seem like it's going to expand on the character in any meaningful way. So, uh, Hunter, have you played Life is Strange? I, you seemed interested in the game. No, that's one of those games that I I really want to get to um, over the summer. I know that there was the time travel component to right. it i've heard about that so it is kind of concerning that you say that's not going to be present in this up in this prequel right because i don't know how it will f- feel then um in the continuity of like gameplay with with life is strange the original so well, that's that'll be a little weird but um uh-oh. hunter oh no oh there he's still here he he went into a time paradox oh, discussing time me? travel. <laughs> yeah, I did. Did you not hear me? Yeah. No, you, you, you started you totally and then you. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Life is strange sounds good. I haven't played it, but I want to. It it is good. Um, and once again, I'm uh, this is speculation. They could put time travel in it, but it would be weird if you had this character who like, and you know, the protagonist of the first game comes up and is like, "Hey, I can time travel," and she's. Just, just like, oh, I could, but I'm not going to mention it. Christian, what they might do is they might bring the time travel element in as in like a character from the future goes to the past. And it's one of those things where it's like a, a secret, you know, and, and the right. side character um, doesn't know or is actually influencing things in the original, which you would find out. That's I've seen stuff like that on The Flash, so I'm sure they could make it work in the game as well. They They could, but... I feel like um, I'm really trying to dance around spoilers for this. Uh, I feel like if they did that, it would kind of invalidate some of the choices you made in uh, mm. the first season. Uh, ideally, what I'd like to see with like if they were to do another Life is Strange is just you know just find new characters and just kind of do it like thematically similar, like mm. maybe keep the same superpower but with different characters in a different situation. Maybe the photography motif, but maybe move to like something different i don't know that that's what i i guess i would like to see but i don't work for square enix so (laughs) yeah okay i don't know i guess so like i'm glad there's more life is strange i'm just not glad that it's a prequel well we'll see what comes of it once it uh comes to us so i would like to move on to uh, what games we've been playing. Before we do that, though, want to talk to another editor who is not with us right now. Uh, Travis Northup, as we said before, got to go play Destiny 2 in L.A. a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break and talk to Travis Northup in a minute. But first, we're going to hear a message from our sponsors. 
Hey everybody, Ron Burke, Editor-in-Chief for Gaming Trend, here to tell you a little bit about an upcoming game that might be of interest. 12 Realms Dungeon Land, a new Kickstarter effort from board game veterans Mage Company, is finally underway. Before you can commit your dollars, I imagine you'd probably like to know what this game is about. In 12 Realms Dungeon Land, an evil and powerful magic has mutated the populace of the 12 Realms. As the source of this evil is unknown, it's up to the player to tackle dungeons, banish twisted evil monsters and villains to save the 12 Realms. In the game, players take on roles like Prince Charming, Red Riding Hood, Grumpy Dwarf, the Wizard of Oz, and many more familiar faces from popular lore. Taking between 45 and 90 minutes for a session, the game is not an expansion, but in fact a standalone game, and if you own the previous 12 Realms games, you'll be able to use them with a conversion kit. Foes including werewolves, bandits, bosses, and other beasties are AI-controlled, meaning that all players get to be the hero. The game is built for up to four players, including being able to play it solo, and it's aimed at ages 13 and up. Dungeon Lane will also feature a campaign mode, an arena allowing up to eight players to square off, and a new unique mode called Master Quest. In Master Quest, players who can't tackle the 45 to 90 minute complete campaign can tackle a single scenario complete with different endings and boss battles. The game is live on Kickstarter, so hit our link in the podcast to check out all the details and pledge for yourself. Keep an eye on GamingTrend.com for a full look behind the scenes, and stay tuned for our eventual full review. Thanks, guys. I am here with the Thai guy, one Travis Northup, uh, who went to play some Destiny 2. Travis, how are you today? I'm doing well. Excited to talk about Destiny 2. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Destiny 2. I made this joke already, but we're going to go with it. Destiny 2 is easily going to be the game where everyone will go ride in their ships and talk about how bad Destiny 2 is compared to Destiny 1. I'm predicting it now. Or vice versa. They'll talk about how bad Destiny 1 was. Because you ever notice that like people can't let go of something if like it was bad at first? Like Destiny 1, they always will refer to how bad Destiny 1 was, even though the Taken King was awesome and Rise of Iron was pretty right, good and right, right. that sort of stuff. Um, and, you know, Xbox One has been a, a competent console for years now, but people still talk about the 2013 reveal. Every single article sure, is like a I, preamble. I think, though, <laughs> I think easily uh, the just the rose-tinted glasses will take over that factor. I th- Though mm. that is definitely a thing. I think everyone hates Destiny 1 about a year ago, and but then once Destiny 2 comes out, it could be like, why isn't it more like Destiny 1, man? Destiny 1 was the best game ever. And only then will they appreciate it, of course. I think that's my prediction, Maybe. at least. We'll see. I, I, think, uh, I think Destiny 2 is too similar to Destiny 1 to get that sort of flack. Well, that is I think if anything, yeah. Yeah. I think if anything, people will complain that it's too similar. That is an interesting Maybe. factor. That is one of the first things I saw. We are here, of course, to talk about Destiny 2. Uh, it's been a couple weeks now, but uh, some time ago, you went out to LA and you mm-hmm. got to get your hands on Destiny 2 when Bungie revealed a whole bunch of details on it during their live stream event and their live event. You were there, you played the game, you saw all of the footage that we all saw. So uh, you got to play it also on PS4 Pro and on PC. So Yep, I got to play the uh, campaign a little bit, the first uh, campaign story mission. I got to play the uh, Crucible multiplayer PvP mode, and I got to do a strike as well. Excellent. So with just everything uh, all-encompassing on your mind, what you've played, what you've seen of the game, what you've seen advertised of the game, what are your thoughts as a uh, fan of the Destiny franchise? Uh, what are your thoughts yeah. on Destiny 2? currently 
So I think I think uh, Destiny Two fans will be happy because, or Destiny One. Well, fans Destiny Two fans because, to be determined. We'll yeah, see if they yeah, happen yeah. to be that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think Destiny One fans will be happy, and I think it's because uh, Bungie hasn't strayed too far from the original Destiny vision, but they've tried to improve in key areas that people have complained about. Um, so you know, obviously, there's a greater emphasis on story, at least from what we saw mm. uh, in the, the the stuff that they showed off at the events. Um, you know, they've tried to make multiplayer a little bit more competitive, a little tighter and smaller, which was always, you know, something that I, I don't think a lot of people expected from multiplayer in Destiny 1, mm. where it, it seemed a little more casual and had larger matches. And they've sort of learned that their audience looked for something that was closer to an arena shooter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so they've they've kind of focused in on that. Um, and uh, the... The game is just bigger. It looks beautiful, especially on PC where it's locked at a uh, you know sixty frames per second. Mm. And um, yeah, over, overall, my impressions were uh, that that it's you know the next logical step for Destiny. And with Luke Smith at the helm, who's a guy I've gotten to know uh, fairly well over the years, um, you know he is a huge RPG fan. And every time he touches Destiny, it becomes more of an RPG. Sure. Um, you know, with the Taken King, they added like the quest log and that sort of thing. And with this uh, this Destiny Two game, uh, you know, you have a map. You've got uh, places you can explore with the lost zones. Uh, you've got treasure hunts that you can go on with your guardian, and and it it's looking like it's going to be more of an RPG than Destiny One ever was, which sure. in my book is a good thing. Well, it looks like it's going to be a lot of things that other games already have been. Like you you said something that I think is poignant that it's the next logical step for Destiny. Uh, a mm-hmm. lot of people might have been expecting something a little more uh, robust, a little more um, grandiose, like a, a total yeah. overhaul of the look or of the functionality mm-hmm. of it, but. Very very much it is the uh it's almost a destiny 1.5 it is a destiny expansion or just but to the umph degree right so that's what it's looking yeah. right now and but that so, does seem so, to be logical for a game like destiny like an mmo totally. or rpg sort uh formatted game you would say yeah so i i do have some concerns about it and they do kind of speak to what you were talking about with it being like destiny 1.5 you know there's some stuff that I definitely was like hoping for in in a, a Destiny sequel, like for example, um, you know the expansion of subclasses in, and what what they're doing with subclasses. It seems to be that we're losing three of the subclasses from the original ones, which are some of the favorite subclasses: the Des- uh, the Titan Bubble, the uh, Warlock Res build. And then the Hunter Blade Dancer, which a lot of people like to use for like cloaking and invisibility that helped with soloing. Mm. And they've taken those elements out and made it more of, hey, your supers are meant to do DPS and that's it. And they're not meant to be like strategic kind of like game changers uh, as they were in Destiny 1. So that's one area where I'm kind of like a little skeptical about how that's going to turn out for them. They've also you know simplified the way subclasses work, which in my mind makes me think that it'll make each of the classes less less unique. You know, you can't really customize it and pick certain perks. They've sort of pre-picked a group of perks that you just take all as a block because they've optimized it by grouping those together, uh, which kind of takes away a lot of customization. And then um, the, the, you know, the strikes and there being strikes and there being crucible and there being story missions, there being trials, all that stuff returning kind of just seems like they're bringing 
everything, but what exactly new is coming, or at least the question, because, you know, the strike was definitely probably the best strike we've seen in Destiny. Obviously, it's a Destiny 2 strike, so you would hope it would be. Okay. Um, but it, it, it felt a lot like strikes that we've already played, you know, like you're fighting your way through areas, and those areas are probably also places that we're going to be patrolling in. And then eventually you get to a fight, you know, a boss fight, and you take it out, and then it ends. So there's a, a lot in common with it, in, and I think in some ways that could end up being bad. Um, okay. I, for one, would be really disappointed if we were doing all of our strikes in existing areas that we're patrolling in, like in Destiny 1. I feel like that's something that really probably spawned from the fact that Destiny was originally a 360 and PS3 games as well as a next-gen game. Sure, sure. That um, has much memory to work with, yeah. Yeah, and I would hope that that sort of practice would be gone, and that when we do strikes now and everything like that, we're we're seeing new areas. We're not we're not in the same old patrol zones. Sure. So, so getting why don't we? Uh, I want to get back to a couple of points that you made, but why don't we get into the sure. strike that you just mentioned? Uh, you sure. played one of the strikes, the inverted spire, I believe it was ca- called. So you just called it. We're gonna put it on the box art. They're gonna quote us right now. It was the best strike of Destiny lore ever. So, well, just tell us about the strike and what it was like, and what what kind of things stood out to you compared to other strikes that maybe weren't there or are there and better. Sure. The, the biggest takeaway is that Destiny 2 seems to have a greater enemy variety than Destiny 1 has ever had. Mm. And that's just in one faction, the Cabal. So the Cabal aren't just like three or four different enemy types within one faction now. They're a whole slew of enemies. So they've got dogs that run at you and attack you. They've got uh, guys that run up, you, run up to you with uh, giant axes. They've got Cabal that can create giant shields in front of them that block themselves and the rest of the allies. They've got uh, just uh, such a wide variety of different enemies that clearly have different purposes. So you don't feel like you're fighting, you know, the same three or four types of guys over and over again and with predictable powers. And if that uh, expanse of enemies ex- uh, goes to Vex and Fallen and the um, the Hive as well, that's going to be huge because that's one of the biggest things I personally had a problem with Destiny, which is like, you know, even in the expansions, they were sort of reskinning a lot of stuff. You know, yeah, we didn't have sure. like a huge enemy variety. And just in one faction, the Cabal, which is the only one we've really seen anything of, we saw a little bit of Vex in the strike, but the Cabal mostly, um, there was huge variety. So that's the first one. The second one was uh, um, hazardous environments, which isn't really something they played with a whole lot in strikes anyway. They did a little bit in raids, but not so much in strikes. In the, uh, the inverted spire strike, there's one section where there's a giant drill that's spinning around, and it's got multiple pieces that are right, all sharp. Right. Yeah, I and saw throughout that the strike, in your Let's Play. To, yeah, I remember. Yeah, you have to go up the side and down below, and you have to kind of like avoid getting hit by these different uh, parts of the drill. And that part was one of the most challenging parts of the strike. Uh, you saw my good playthrough because that's the one I decided to post. Of course, uh, but uh, <laughs> but I had a I had a really rough playthrough where our entire team was just getting destroyed by that drill a bunch of times. Um, and one of the cool things actually is they build in enemy powers to get you killed by the environment. So the are the phalanxes the little no the scions the little guys mm-hmm. in the cabal? Sure, yeah. Um, they have an a 
yeah, they have an ability, and I don't know if it's just in general or just in that part, but they have an ability where they throw like a grenade or a missile or something that slides along the ground. And if it hits your guardian, it shoots your guardian like 15 feet in the air, and you get hit by the drill bits oh, when that wow. happens. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. So they actually have powers that like intentionally throw you into the drill, which makes it like even more challenging and stuff that you're not really expecting. That's um, exciting. Those so. all sound like a lot of raid mechanics that are making their way into the totally. strikes. That's pretty exciting. Awesome. Yeah, and, and it goes even further than that when you get to the end of the strike and they actually have a three-phase boss fight, which is also something we haven't seen from a, a strike boss. Oh, yet. sure, yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's like three different phases. Some of them are, are similar, but the, the mechanic is cool, which is that you're you know taking on the boss as much as you can, and then he summons minions, and when you defeat them all, the platform disappears, and you fall down to the next area, and each area is uh, subsequently more hazardous than the last, and at the end, you're in like a really small arena with just death all around you. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> So yeah, it, it gets it gets more progressively more challenging, which I thought was pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. So yeah, it definitely has all the makings of like, uh, wow, this is exciting. Like they've done a lot with the strike. The question is, are these areas that I'm going to be bored with because I'm doing patrols and story missions through them the entire game, or is this a unique experience? And it, it's kind of unanswered. Um, I guess we'll see you as we go, but uh, you know. But it, it, we haven't seen enough of the game to really make that call. Yet. That's that's think. definitely a fair uh, comment to make because what we have seen is so Destiny one like that. It's easy to get turned off by that, especially the fact that they just went for the entire like Destiny one hub HUD. Like some things are dramatically unchanged, if that's a term to use. Yeah, yeah like totally. they are like you know when uh uh say uh, some kind of um communications comm turns on and your HUD activates and it shows your ghost. Even the ghost is exactly identical to the original game. And it's little nuances that like that, that, that they, those bells and whistles that they normally try to dress up in a sequel and they just left it there. And that could be fine, but the first impression could throw people off. But uh, one of the things that sounds interesting is that they're uh, sticking to that format, say the strikes and the raids and the, uh, mm-hmm. maybe not the patrol missions we'll see, but, uh, there's a lot of things they're sticking patrol with. Patrol missions are, are going to be there. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There will be patrol missions to do as well. Yeah. There's all yeah. sorts of other things that they've talked about. They talk about, uh, how the map is going to interact with these different objectives or different adventures mm-hmm. as they called them. Uh, but what's, uh, worrying to me is that how many of the things are sticking around that maybe shouldn't be sticking around. Like you said, patrol missions can often be very uh, redundant and very, uh, you know, it can be very tiring to do the same things. I also saw in some of the Let's Plays and some of the footage that there's light level. Like it looks like those weapons are mm-hmm. carrying a certain level of some kind of leveling up system. And I wonder, uh, first of all, I'm what you would call a kin- a kindergarten, I think. I'm a, I'm a meager 200, maybe close to 300 hours into Destiny, which, if anyone oh, wow. doesn't know, is not actually a lot. It's actually, it's a lot for any game, but 200 hours is actually not a lot for some people. Like, I know some people who have plus 1,000 hours on their games. Yeah, I'm, I'm plus 1,000 hours. Exactly. So, 2000, so I, I consider you a standard player of Destiny. So, uh, with that many hours in and i'm sure max light level multiple times through different expansions uh are you ready to take the plunge to start doing those grinds again or what kind of things need to change in order for you to take that dive again so i think to keep people interested they've got to you know really impress us in areas that we haven't seen 
Um, and that's always tough to judge. Like if, if all the strike zones were completely unique areas that we could explore separate from, you know, the regular map, that would impress me. Um, if the story missions were actually, uh, you know, as, as, you know, uh, intricate and interesting as the first mission sort of alluded to it being, that would be awesome. Um, we're also learning that there's side missions and patrols where you get to meet characters in the world that talk to you and give you stuff to do. If that ends up being, uh, you know, a major part of the game that could impress me, but yeah, I mean, they're setting themselves up for a very similar grind to what destiny one had. And I think that, that could be dangerous, but it could also be rewarding. Obviously, the fans that are a fan of Destiny 1 are going to love that they're back in Destiny with a whole bunch of toys to collect and that sort of thing. But, you know, if they make the same mistakes, they're going to have even more lashback than when they did it the first time, right? Sure. So if the story doesn't pay off, that's going to be huge, right? People mm-hmm. are not going to be happy with that. If uh, the light level ends up being a really big grind and they're replaying the exact same uh, events over and over again to get their stuff, people are not going to be happy about that. Um, you know, there's there's a whole bunch of things that they could end up they could end up repeating a lot of mistakes. And I think it's too early to tell, but right now, this how similar it is to Destiny 1, I think um, it, it did, does have me a little concerned, to be honest. Sure, that's fine. And that's the totally fair. You know, you want to stay uh, you want to stay vigilant when leading up to a uh, super bomb like, say, Destiny 2, uh, which, uh, you know, we'll see if it looks good. I think that one of the things that we want to see, obviously, is how this map is going to work. Uh, that's something that we mm-hmm. didn't see. Uh, what we saw is stuff that we know. The way that the maps work is not something uh, that exists in Destiny 1. Right, say uh, these adventures or these. Um, I'm forgetting some of the terms that they use, but uh, some of hey, these there's extra- lost zones, there's lost uh, zones. treasure hunts, right. those sorts of things. Yeah. yeah, those things. Which a lot of that sounds to me. I'm not a Diablo player, but I've heard that those are similar uh, mechanics that exist in those games. And then you said there's side missions, there's characters that you can interact with and and gain side missions from. A lot of these things that are new innovations to Destiny, they are regular old things and say video games totally. like you know open world and stuff i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing but uh do you think that's like the right path for destiny does that excite you to hear these types of things well how do you feel about anything that, that makes destiny yeah anything that makes destiny feel more like an rpg is fine with me sure. i mean i i like the idea of being able to see your map i think that's something that destiny one definitely missed i like the idea of having more to do in the world and you know if they if they make it less about like hey, you've got to grind and do the same events over and over and over again to get the stuff you want. And they make it more about like, hey, there's all these different things to do that are completely unique and they all have static set rewards. Like if you want this exotic, go and do this crazy side quest mission. If you want this exotic, do this raid, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That would be good for me. I, I, I think that where they might risk losing a lot of people like they did with Destiny 1 after the first year is, you know, how, how often am I going to be doing the same three or four strikes, you know? How often am I going to be just running around the world searching for materials, those sorts of things? And I I would hope that they had learned their lesson on a lot of those issues with Destiny 1 because, you know, they they have definitely improved from the Taken King and then later Rise of Iron. But still, even today, there's a lot of grinding involved in Destiny. There's a lot of doing the same events over and over again. And my understanding is that that had a lot to do with the technology they were using. When they built Destiny 1, where they had to spend like six hours to render if they moved like a rock 
a little bit on the map. Um, but I, I don't think they're using that technology anymore. So hopefully we'll see a lot of unique, engaging content, bigger maps, everything we would want from a sequel that is now exclusive to the current generation of consoles. Sure. Speaking of technology, uh, we have some mm -hmm. new technology coming to Destiny. We're going to talk about a couple of things at once. Uh, you got to play some PvP uh, while you were at this event. Uh, you played a new uh, Crucible mode called Countdown, I think. And mm -hmm. yep. uh, you were also able to play on PS4 Pro, like we said, and PC. So I want to hear first what Countdown's like, and then I want to get into uh, comparing console to the jump to PC now. Yeah. So countdowns basically just counter strike. I mean, sure. that's how it felt. It was, uh, you're, if you're the attacker, you get multiple options for where you want to, uh, place the bomb and they're cabal devices. So they're kind of tying into like the, the setting of destiny and what's currently going on in the world. And then, uh, it, what, depending on which one you choose, you have to defend it. And the other group has to come in and deactivate the bomb. And if they de deactivate it before it explodes, they win. Uh, and if it explodes before they're able to de deactivate it, you win. Mm -hmm. um, the, you can also win by eliminating the other team. They can be revived, but there's a limited amount of revives. I think it's four. So it's 4v4 mode, which means if everyone dies, they can all be revived once by another okay. person. Okay. Um, so it's kind of strike light of, sort of with the dark zone and totally. what have you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have, uh, if you have, um, uh, so you see, so you can actually run out of it and that, it, that it was fun. It was really cool. It, it felt a lot tighter. The maps were a little bit more, um, I guess like, uh, tight and sure. had kind of like a lot of tight uh, hallways and doors and stuff. And I'm not sure if that's a general change in philosophy or uh, just the map that we happen to see, but um, it was, it was definitely interesting. I, we, we absolutely destroyed. So obviously I had fun because <laughs> <laughs> right. I was winning. <laughs> Always makes it better. Yeah. So uh, we, we also touched a little bit on PVP before talking about, uh, you were talking about the switch over from 6v6 to 4v4. Is that something that people were hoping for or something that you were hoping for? I didn't really uh, notice. I, I had no want, I guess, for changing up the formula. Uh, not that I am dubious uh, upon hearing that we're going to 4v4. I'm a big Halo fan back in the day. Halo yep. 4v4 or uh, four-player Free for all was always my jam, so I'm totally up for that. But was that something you were heart you were um, you were hungry for? Is that something that you think is a good idea for Destiny? I tend to think it's a good idea. I'm a fan of uh, arena shooters, and I'm a fan of like smaller competitive modes. Um, and I think that when you add a lot of people, it tends to be a lot more casual and a lot more chaotic. Um, if you have big maps and you add vehicles and all that stuff that usually comes along with having a big map, a lot of people like that though, like battlefield and those sorts of games where yeah, yeah, there's like larger groups. I, th I tend to think, I think it was a smart idea, not just because I t happen to like that, but because from what I've seen in the community, a lot of people are really into the meta of destiny and they kind of treat it like an arena multiplayer game. So if you're, sure. if your players are treating it like an arena multiplayer game, you should probably design it to be an arena multiplayer game. And I think destiny one's multiplayer was originally designed to be more casual because you didn't even have things like, you know, iron banner at launch or trials of Osiris at launch their you know, static competitive mode. And they're switching it to where all modes are 4v4 at least, they're saying all modes that they're 
in general or 4v4, I'm sure there will be exceptions. I, I think trials might even not be 3v3. Um, but yeah, they, I, I think I think it is a smart move. I, obviously, there's going to be some people who just want to play it casually and want it to be less competitive, and those people are going to have a harder time having fun in 4v4 where it's going to be a much more fierce competition. Sure, we'll see. Well, the, the initial... Uh campaign that they seem to be running right now is that everyone gets included including with this uh campaign well sorry with this matchmaking yep. system that they're mm-hmm. trying to set up uh but we will we will see all that in the future uh i want to ask uh now finally about ps4 versus pc uh ps4 Ooh. pro uh, is going to be locked to 30 frames per second so is scorpio from what we've heard in some interviews uh pc like you said it's running a clean uh, 60 frames per second. What was it like playing on PC with mouse and keyboard at 60 frames per second? So uh, PC, it it feels great. It's so quick being able to shoot, you know, with the mouse and, and poke around and shoot wherever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and the 60 frames per second was, you know, incredible. It looked really good. And, and it felt like it was a game that was made to be played on PC, which was really encouraging and really? not what I expected. Uh, yeah, and it really wasn't what I was expected going into it since they're a company that comes from console shooters and uh, didn't have PC and Destiny 1. Um, me personally, I'm not a fan of PC controls. Sure. And I'm, I'm, in fact, very bad at them. So I didn't have a whole lot of fun playing on PC just because it's not my uh, preferred way of playing. But I'm sure if, you know, you could play on PC and plug in a Xbox controller in my case, um, then I'd be I'd probably like it a lot. So I'm excited to check it out. I, I definitely had fun with it. Um, PS4, though, didn't feel worse. Um, obviously, it doesn't look as good in the 30 frames per second is you know, not great, but I'm not the type of person who really sweats it over frames. It definitely feels like uh, a game that works just as well on 30 frames per second. It just maybe doesn't uh, feel as, or, you know, doesn't look as pretty. Um, I, I, you know, and I, I am a little disappointed at, that it's locked in at 30 FPS because I feel like especially the Scorpio is going to be able to handle 68 FPS based on the specs we know are coming. But yeah. uh it, it probably has something to do with parody. You know, they've got people playing on the original Xbox one and the original PS4. That's not a pro. Uh, and, and those machines might not be able to handle it. So I'm not really sure what their, um, what the reasoning was. That's there. what I assume. Uh, I've heard in an interview that, uh, I forgive me. I can't remember who it was. that was being interviewed, but at, mm-hmm. with Bungie, uh, they were saying that part of the issue is that, um, the up upgrades in uh, resolution, which is what the PS4 Pro is focused on, and what the Scorpio is focused on, that 4K resolution. Uh, when you're building a rig to fo- focus on that, you're not necessarily going to get the CPU power uh, behind that that will uh, get you to 60 frames per second and that rendering of uh, 4- 4K or even 1080p. But uh, I genuinely believe that, uh, like you said, uh, the problem is with parity that uh, Xbox Scorpio players are going to be playing with Xbox One as players and PS4 Pro players are going to be playing with PS4 players. And uh, it is just an absolute uh, upper hand to be able to have 60 frames versus 30 frames. So I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say. I would say that the the PC has that same problem because not everybody playing on PC is going to have a good enough rig to play at 60 FPS. Well, so ultimately, I mean, there's going to be people there's going to be people playing thing. on PC 
Totally true, but here's a, here's yes. the thing: if you're not rocking a 1080i and a i7 770 whatever it is, then obviously you're a chump. What are you doing? No, I yeah. mean you know that's just the reality of PC. So that's that's the life that they lead. Uh, I will yeah, say, I think the yeah. difference is that people on PC are used to not having parity, exactly, and people at console kind of expect it. But I, I still think that PC has the exact same problems that Xbox or PlayStation would have with the lack of parity because of upgrades and that sort of thing. So I don't think it's a good excuse, but I do understand that that's kind of how the culture is right now, and it kind of differs with PC to console. That's definitely true. I so. will say though, I I bet you anything that uh, the minimum specs for uh, Destiny Two will be. Uh, set so that you need to have that uh, set up in order to get 60 frames per second. Hmm. So chances are they're probably going to at least set you up for that. Maybe I'm wrong. Could totally be they give you minimum specs that runs you 20 frames per second and it's a nightmare. But uh, yeah, well, usually their goal is to get it as low as possible so more people can buy the game. Of course, of course, yeah. So anyway, uh, let's see. Last thing I really wanted to ask you uh, was basically how you're feeling about it, uh, what you're going to be playing on, and uh, what are your hopes possibly? Like what are, what is like maybe your pipe dream for what you see in Destiny 2? Um, so my, my pipe dream and my like ultimate version of it is would be that they have drastically changed how exotics work and that is mm. going to completely relieve my fears of all the subclasses being samey. You know, sure. Um, one of the things we haven't really talked about is that they, since they are removing the strategy element of supers, they're mm-hmm. adding something called class abilities. And a class ability is something that every class has, regardless of which subclass they're using. So I'm a Titan guy. So the Titans, they have an ability where they can put up a wall in front of them and it yeah. kind of is like reminiscent of the bubble shield sure, sure but but they can use it regardless of whatever super they're using because it's a class ability not a subclass ability gotcha. so uh there's multiple versions of each of these class abilities so for the titan you can have a half wall that you can crouch behind to be safe but then you can peek over to shoot uh and you, there's another version where it's just a big wall that covers everything and it mm. just gives you a lot of protection generally um and so you can kind of choose which one it is so i think that's cool because you can kind of pick which subclass you want and then you can make it so that your class ability is just a consistent thing for that class everybody who's a titan has that um and that could be really cool um but you know i do have concerns about it so my pipe dream would be that you know, exotics are just like crazy and really customize the subclasses in ways that we haven't even figured out yet that they're not going to be reusing areas at least as heavily as they did in destiny one, uh, that, you know, they're going to actually give up, uh, trying to create parody on consoles and let me have 60 FPS on my console choice Agreed. Agreed. Uh, because I have a 4k TV and that's what I want. Oh man. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and you know, that, that they're going to, uh, not make the same mistake, especially in the regard of replacing content. Like in Destiny, the original Destiny games, they would come out with the game and there would be all this content and then they would come out with an expansion and basically throw away the other content to make new for the room for the new content. Sure. And the new content would basically be the only thing that you could really play if you wanted to advance your character. And I'd like them to see in the future, you know, if they come out with all this content for Destiny 2 and then an expansion drops, that they could incorporate all that old content and just keep making their game bigger rather than throwing out all this old stuff and saying this is basically useless now play this new stuff only you know i'd like to see the game grow over time 
Um, so yeah, that's that. And, and I'm going to be playing it on Xbox cause that's where all my friends are. That's where my clan's at. So I'll definitely be buying a Scorpio and, uh, hoping that the game runs in, you know, full 4k 60 FPS. Cause I, I know it will be able to do that. Oh, um, I, probably be it. able to, I bet you anything though, you're not getting that 60 frames per second, but I guarantee you it's going to look great on that 4k <laughs> TV. So you'll enjoy that for sure. All right, cool. well, Travis, thank you so much for coming on to discuss Destiny 2 with me. I'm excited to see it. Uh, personally, all I really want to see from Destiny 2 is uh, get rid of the ships, get rid of the load times, get rid of the jumping to orbit, jumping back. But if you have to so put So they announced there, that. Yeah, but they did announce that, and I, I'm glad it's there. Yeah. But, I mean, if it's there, if it's hidden in there in any capacity, at least give me some kind of arcadey shooter game that I'm flying right. around in my ship. That's all I want. And then give me Destiny 1, and I'll be happy. I'll tell you that. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that was actually my one of my favorite announcements was when they said you don't have to go to orbit. I was like, yeah. Yes, perfect. <laughs> so, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, our game does not need to load nearly as often as you'd think. Perfect. No way. All right. Well, thank you, Travis, so much for jumping on with me. I greatly appreciate it. Talking about Destiny 2. It's going to be a great game. We'll see. Maybe jump on Xbox. I'll, I'll see what I, got, what I can do. But uh, cool. I'll have to see then. Of course, we'll see... Much more, I hope, at E3 in uh, the coming days. And uh, until then, again, Travis, thank you so much for uh, coming on to talk to me. Don't mention it. has games they want to talk about uh i have played three games this week one of which is under embargo so i'm not going to talk about it uh one embargo end the embargo ends on tuesday all right so like just just past when i could have you know started talking about it but uh one of them is uh i know we talked about this two weeks ago uh stories untold and i was so excited by the promise of a game like pony island that i went and immediately downloaded it gotcha and uh i i've got to say i i loved it first half of the game is like absolutely phenomenal like i was like ah game of the year material right here second half not quite as um it kind of loses what made the first two really unique because the first two were basically text adventures Mm. that uh had some sort of ways of like manipulating like you were playing a text adventure in the game on a computer and there was stuff going around near you sure, that was like sure. really cool and really played with that. And then the oh, next, I saw that. Yeah. It, it's, it's really cool. The first it's divided into like four separate parts. The first one is free on steam and it's probably like the coolest part of the game. So I'd, I'd recommend checking that out. Um, and like the, this, third and fourth chapters aren't quite as cool because they're kind of fall into that like steam first person adventure game type thing that you see a lot they're still really cool it's just not quite as unique and uh the other thing that i played was the last episode of telltales the walking dead which my review of that will be up at this point and uh i i gotta say this season i really liked the start of it but this finale is probably my least favorite one okay telltale has put out in a while sure just because um i I know the main complaint people have with telltale is that the choices don't matter 
And uh, this one, the ending, the choices actually that you made came back, and as a result, you have a bunch of different endings, and you can get one ending, which is the ending I got the first time, that is just the most anticlimactic, like, oh, oh that was, the, that was the end. Like, the you know, depending on what you do, you can get this ending where you do what you think is right, and then you come back, and the main plot has just been resolved off screen. Like, oh, the, main, the main plot, like, you come back and you're just like, oh, I see you guys dealt with this while I was away. Yeah, you dealt with it's, this mm. thing that's been culminating to this moment in five episodes of a video game. And well, yeah, it's no. done. And, like, I had a feeling that was going to happen when I made that choice because I was like, okay, I can follow th- this narrative with, like, all of the central themes of the story have tied into this and, like, go for the satisfying conclusion or I can do what I think is right and come back to that later. So I did what I thought was like, okay, this is the this is the better thing for me the to do right now. More morally sound. Yeah, more yeah. morally sound. And and then I came back and I was like, oh, so the by making. I like how Christian right keeps choice. looking at the resolution on the floor in his room. Like he just keeps yeah. looking like, oh, look, there's yeah. the well, conflict and it's resolved over there yeah. on the floor. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm saying that in the way that like. If you if you played it, you'll understand. Yeah, sure. But it, it's just like, oh yeah, it's, it's dealt with. <laughs> I'm sorry, Christian. I'm sorry. It's like, I, I, I guess. He's like looking at his Walking Dead action figures. He's actually like <laughs> acting them on his bedroom floor. I yeah, I, I've got those. I've, I've got like, oh, it's it's Clementine and Javi, and I don't know, Christian. I want I, you to I want you to resolve something for me. Put something to bed for me. I I was totally uninterested in playing this Walking Dead season because i love clementine clementine is my favorite character in the series because as it is everyone's i assume and clementine is not the main character of the story and i've heard her role be described as this vestigial limb that like it doesn't it's really that just doesn't exist anymore as a prime focus and so what is is there anything bringing me back to this game that would make me interested in playing this game? Um, Having been yeah, a lover of the go, first two games, the first going two seasons. Into, going into, I guess, really minor spoiler territory here. Like, not not big sure. endgame stuff, but... Um, the So, Clementine has kind of a plot in this season. Uh, it's, not a, it's not a big one. She kind of comes in and out sometimes. Uh, there's a really awkward bit where you get to give her the sex talk. Like that's actually a thing that happens in here. <laughs> and um, the, the gaming trend talk. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but no, it. Uh, Clementine doesn't really do much. Um, but one of the things at the end, and this was one of the things that I I did really like about the ending, is it tells you how what's happened here has uh, changed Clementine. And then it ends with Clementine going to resolve her own plot for the next season. So the next season, presumably, you will be playing as Clementine again. So I thought this was going to be the wrap-up. That's surprising. Uh, well, I don't know what led me to believe that, but I, I could have sworn that this was it for The Walking Dead now. Uh, I Part of me kind of thought so, too. Um, but, ah, damn it. No, uh, yeah, part of me thought it was going to be the wrap up as well, but it ends with a like a cliffhanger of every like Javier's plot is resolved, the whole plot with the new frontier is resolved, and she kind of just goes off on her own. Mm. And that's like the one, the only dangling plot threads are related to her. 
Maybe so. this was their their way of testing the Walking Dead franchises for video games to see if people would be interested in playing seasons later on as different characters. That way it doesn't have to be a trilogy. It can be ongoing. Yeah. I If that's what they were trying, I honestly think it failed because it seems like the biggest complaint is that there isn't enough Clementine. Yeah. I mean, mm. that's the thing. I I saw Clementine through and she survived in season one. Season two, we saw Clementine like no spoilers. And, but, but like, yeah, but no spoilers. But we saw Clementine change and what this world has done to her. And I just want to see more of that because Clementine's the focus. Like, I understand the idea of like, well, every Walking Dead game has had a different protagonist, technically. Yeah. But I think even though Lee is a protagonist, I think really the focal point is on, uh, the focus is on Clementine and get, she is the objective she is the investment she you want clementine to be okay you know like yeah. lee is uh morally conflicted and compromised so you're, the whole point is trying to save clementine and in a sense and what have you so uh, right. i want to see clementine so that's what kept me away from the game so it's unfortunate but i'm yeah. happy to hear that maybe they'll continue so that i could get back to clementine what i actually care about and but yeah I, I guess the one thing I'll say, like, in conclusion about the finale is just that, like, the finale of the first season of The Walking Dead is just so, it's, like, so perfect, and you get this whole bittersweet resolution to what happens with Lee and Clementine, and without spoiling anything for Hunter and for our viewers, uh, season two is just, like, an emotional punch in the dick. <laughs> like, the ending of season two, like, I, I just needed a moment when I was done. Like, I was actually wondering, like, did I do the right thing there? Or did I, do, was it that I did the right thing, but I just don't like that I did it and stuff like that? Um, season three just didn't really do that for me. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's move on to the people. Uh, Hunter, did you play anything of interest this week? Yeah, I played lots of things. Um, I actually beat like three games this week. I played Halo Five. Um, I'm Oof. trying the the Xbox Game Pass subscription, uh, which I really like. Okay. So I played that. It's eh, I I don't really enjoy Halo that much. It's it doesn't grab me, but I just play it because you know everybody else does. Have you I played, played the other ones? I, that's like, surprising you to say. Uh, like a lot yeah. of people don't really. I mean, Halo Five's got its following, but Halo is certainly not. Uh, from what I can gather, it is not the blockbuster force that it once was, for sure, back in the Xbox it, days. Did you play I, I 1, like, 2, and 3, Hunter? I never played 1, but I played 2, okay. 3, and Reach, and 4. So basically all of them except for that. And I didn't play right. the top-down um, real-time strategy games. What, uh, ODST. Those are, those, those no are, need. Yeah. No, o I, ODST I just, was not top-down, not a strategy game. But oh. you're thinking of Halo Wars. Oh, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, those are garbage. Um, don't play them. The story, just like the campaigns, they don't they don't grab me. I don't know who these people in all the on my squad ever is. Mm -hmm. And sometimes yep. they try to be funny and it's whatever. And the world is kind of cool, but like you don't get to explore it. In Halo 5, there were right. a couple NPC areas, but you could talk to like one or two people and that was it. I, I don't know. I just don't get into the, the world and the characters of Halo, so... Well, the thing is, like, yeah, if you couldn't get into 1, 2, and 3, 
there's no way you'll get into four and five. Like four and five pretty much suck. One, really? two, and one, two, and three. Uh, and depending on who you talk to, reach is pretty good as well. But if the like the general consensus is everyone loves one, two, and three. Mm. Reach kind of like I said, kind of depends on who you talk to. And then after that, everyone's sort of like four and five. Yeah, just fucking forget about it. Mm. So yeah, I mean they're not bad. The the gunplay, the combat is all very good, and they're it's a beautiful game to look at. But it, I just don't feel personally in, invested in the in the story or the or the characters. Yeah, I understand. So, so I played that, and I played uh, Brothers: A Tale of Two Sons. It's a great little indie game. It was made by this filmmaker. It was his first crack at uh, video games, and that was really cool. I I compared it to Edith Finch earlier in the week and that it uses the physical mechanics to tell the story. It's like you play as two brothers, but one stick controls one brother and the other stick of your controller controls the other. And you have to use them, them both to um, solve puzzles. But the act of using both of these sticks reinforces the theme of brotherhood in the story and, and mm. building that relationship. So that was cool. And I played rise son of Rome. That was good. All right, Rise Son of Rome. That was the uh, infamous yet uh, actually a lot of people like the quick time event launch game. But a lot of people actually came away from that liking it, despite all of the quick time eventy things. And uh, it also was like a what? gorgeous game. It was a showcase yeah. of Xbox One's like graphical uh, capability back in the launch days. I remember that. Yeah, a lot of people wanted a wanted a sequel with more content too. But I never, I've never heard anything. There was a se- there was a sequel planned, but it ended up getting scrapped. Yeah, it oh, was it was okay. in the works though. What? Well, that was you know no. Crytek. Well, obviously you know with Crytek, uh, the whole uh, debacle that happened there. Uh, that was part of the issue that uh, there was a Rise Son of Rome sequel, and you know when you stop paying your employees, all of a sudden they right. stop working on games. Right. I don't know if that's necessarily what <laughs> yeah. happened with yeah. this game, but the game did get scrapped. I don't scrapped. know why it, it happens the, like yeah. that. You stop paying your employees and they stop working. All of a sudden, know, they're like, just like, I guess we'll stop yeah, working. Just, yeah. It just fucking I mean, happened. And I, and I can't figure out why. Yeah. <laughs> How do they know loyalty? There's yeah, some, what the fuck? There's some link in the, in the equation here. We haven't cracked the code yet, <laughs> but we'll see. No, I also I'm a big fan of Brothers too. I uh, I played that game Great. around when it came out, and I loved the um I loved the concept originally. It is hard to like get yourself linked into it. Like once uh, the right stick brother and the left stick brother crossed paths, like they were yeah, on the wrong side of the screen. I was like, nope, you have to put them back in their place. Uh, so that was weird. Yeah, but it was definitely a cool concept. It wasn't like. Uh, breaking down walls or anything, but I loved the game regardless. I was super bummed by the ending. The um, ending was just like emotionally compromising and uh, conflicting yeah. to me uh, without spoiling anything. But also, uh, but just regardless, there were a bunch of really great environmental uh, things that game does. I loved the the giant. Do you remember the giant that you help out yeah, and you see him in the you. environment yeah. and he's got mm-hmm. you get like the shadow of him walking around and it, the environments in that game are pretty fantastic. So if yeah. it's if uh, people are rocking that Xbox uh, Game Pass like you are, Hunter, I I along with you uh, strongly suggest that game. I'm a big fan of yeah, others. It's the quick bite-sized game took me maybe like four hours tops, maybe three. It was sure. it was really short. Yeah. But pretty impactful. Yeah. All right, Mike, what have you been playing this week? 
The only new thing that I've been playing this week uh, is a game that actually just came out yesterday, Rising Storm 2 Vietnam. Mm, it's a right. multiplayer first-person shooter. Um, it's... Well, what the hell I would compare it to? It's made by the same people that made like Red Orchestra and obviously Rising Storm One, um, and I think I think I might be missing another game in there that they did too that I can't recall. But uh, it's a little it's a little rough around the edges because um, it's you know, it's not like a triple A release, um, but it's what is it sixty four? I think it's sixty four players per server, so there's Oof. pretty significant numbers. And it's heavily team based. Like if you don't, <laughs> you don't cooperate with your team, you're you might as well just not even play. You, mm. I mean, like any time you go against a team that's well coordinated and yours is not, you'll lose and you'll lose badly and very quickly. And um, it's it's really brutal. Like you can poke your head up for a second and it'll just get popped right off, and you'll have no idea where the hell it came from. There's no kill cam. There's no nothing like you just you're behind a piece of cover. Your head comes up and all of a sudden you're dead. And you're like, well, OK, I don't know how that happened or who did it, but I'm not going there again. And then so you run, you, like, you run to a different place or whatever. And yeah. I, I mean, I'm making it sound really bad, but it's it's meant to be realistic, you know, and that's kind of the way it is. Like you get to the wrong spot and you poke your head up and someone's watching. It's you're going to yeah. get a bullet in the head. Sure. And uh they do. What? There's a lot of nuanced details. Like you can, you can actually, and I've never seen this in a game before. You can actually pull the mag out and check to see if you've got ammo. Like check to see how uh. much is in it because it doesn't display on your HUD how many rounds you have. You know, because That's in real cool. life you don't know how much you've got in your mag. You either know there's some in it or it's completely empty because the bolt will be back. Mm-hmm. The and cat is either so, dead or alive, Mike. You can. There's no way right. of knowing. <laughs> And so in this, if you hold down, like if you if you hit R, uh, you know, that's a normal reload. But if you hold down R, your soldier will actually pull the rifle up a little bit, pull the mag out and look at it and Mm. verify there's rounds in there and then put it back in. And it's wild. There's a bunch of other cool stuff like that. Like you can click um, in the in the options to have like if you have a bolt action sniper rifle or a uh, pump action shotgun, you can actually make that uh, tied to a button. So every time you have to hit a button to rack the slide again. And I haven't done that yet. Cause that just seems a little silly, but um, there, there's qu- just tons of stuff like that in, in this game, which I think is pretty cool. My question for you then is what makes this w- war shooter stand out from others? Like, why would I play this one over something else? It's not super realistic, but it's way more realistic than the majority of shooting games out there. Mm. Um, like it is very hard to see people, and you have to be really, really careful and tactical about all of your movements. Like when you—that's basic, I guess. It, short answer to your question: just realism. If you're going for realism, um, this one is pretty. I don't know if I would say it's pretty realistic, but it's far more realistic than the vast majority of shooters out there. So if if that is uh, intriguing or fun for you or something that you at least want to experience and see if it's fun instead of kind of arcadey like Battlefield and um, Call of Duty and, and all that stuff, then you yeah. should try it out. And it's very it's also extremely team oriented, um, way more so than other games. And you've got 
way more classes as well. I think there's like 10 classes maybe, and there's limited numbers for each team. So um, you can you can have like an unlimited amount of riflemen, which is your just your standard, you know, you've got an assault rifle and grenades. And then after that, every other class is, I think, no more than two to four. And once mm. it fills up, unless someone vacates that role, you can't go into it. So they'll, you have like machine gunners, scouts, snipers, point men, like uh, sappers. Um, uh, there's a radio man that has to work with the commander. And then there's oh, a commander. That's really cool. And there's all the, and you've actually got like radio channels. So there's four radio channels. You can talk to your squad, your team, the whole map, or if you're in a vehicle, yeah. (laughs) Or if you're in a vehicle, there's a vehicle only radio. And um, so it's very, it's very much about realism, I guess, is the the short answer to your question. So, and I'm not even so sure that I'm into that, but I'm, I'm finding it pretty fun for now you just really have to you have to be ready to be really frustrated for a while until you get Mm. used to it because it's it's pretty goddamn unforgiving like one of the most unforgiving games i've ever played i probably got killed 30 times in a row without i I don't even think i saw anyone the first oh wow I like, it, was some, <laughs> it was some it was some jungle map and i would just like run up and get behind cover and then i just die mm. <laughs> fuck where where the hell are all these people yeah. so but now i now i'm i'm starting to get a hang of it now so um and i've been playing it for five hours or something maybe so oh. that's about it that's i don't think i played anything else new this week besides that oh well Tonight we're gonna play Overwatch, Joe. Finally break into Cherry. Now we're Finally. gonna get Mike to play that Overwatch. It's only been a yep. year, but uh, frozen over everybody. And I've got to play Soldier Seventy Six. Apparently, right? You you will play yes. many many of the characters, but Soldier Seventy Six is a good one to start with, uh, just to get yeah. your bearings. But I'm I, I'm excited to run you through a couple of uh, characters tonight, Mike. It's gonna well, be a good time. I know Hunter and and last week's guest Josh Devlin are adamant that I play Soldier Seventy Six. It's funny yes. on on the drive here. I was uh, I was thinking about. It. I was like you know like because I I think I texted you or something, and I was thinking like you should probably run through Soldier Seventy Six. He'll be familiar, and that'll feel nice. And then I'll pocket him with uh, May with Mercy maybe. Oh, but then he should play something like Farage just something more. Uh, what is it? Um, uh, I forget the oh, game. Gosh, don't, uh, Quake, don't Quake make series. No, Farah's fantastic. Oh no, no, no! Because no, then it's just be explosive. Duck. No, not at all. He'll be fine. Farrah, Mike. No, Mike is a competent <laughs> player. He's very good. Mike and I have been playing a lot of Player Unknown's Battlegrounds lately, and he regularly survives uh, attacks that I die. Like we, we often. I find a lot of time on the ground. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Boots on the ground. Love those buzzwords. No, that was awesome last night. I do have to say though. I mean, I'm sorry you died. That sucked. That part. That's okay. You didn't kill me. But, uh, but that was awesome when that, that team ganged up on you and I was like, well, fuck that. You just killed my buddy. And I ran in there and killed all of them. (laughs) You sure did. Yeah, it was pretty cool. There's PUBG. Player Unknown plays uh, just a lot of those we were talking about video game stories and like with Shadow of Mordor and that game creates tons and tons of stories. There's all sorts of those and I'm loving that game. It's funny. I won't talk about Player Unknown because I just keep talking about it because I keep playing it. But it's funny how 
uh, easily this game has um, just totally monopolized my all of my gaming time. Like I was in the middle of playing Prey. I was going to jump back to uh, Persona 5. I still have Nier that I want to play desperately. And I have a bunch of games like I was in the middle of playing Prey. And I was very excited for the game because I'm a big Arcane Studios fan. But the game... I kept bouncing off of it for various reasons, and then Player Unknown came out, and now I just snap into Player Unknown, uh, like almost every night because my friends are always on it, and it's just an addictive game, and it's something that not there's nothing else out there right now except some game called The Culling, which I hear is the same game but is getting cannibalized oh. by this game. So I was gonna say yeah. that comes out uh, to Xbox Game Preview tomorrow. I hear, or yeah. which I guess would be, it's already out. When this I've, airs, so. I've sure, played yeah. the coaling. It's not as cool as as Battlegrounds. Sure, yeah, really. There's yeah. a lot more crafting. Yeah. There's a lot more mm-hmm. crafting that goes on with the coaling. Like sure. the very first thing that you do, if it, it's been probably a year since I've played it, it's been in early access for a while. So if it's anything like it was, basically the very first thing you do is find a stick and a rock, and then you make a spear out of that. And oh, like it sounds you, like. Rust. Did you ever got? Did you ever there, see yeah, Rust? There's yeah. a little bit of that involved. You have to sort of memorize these like blueprints or or recipes, if you will, of materials. And going around, you know, you go around and think like, oh, okay, well, what the hell can I do with this bandage and a coffee can or something? Mm-hmm. And you see if you can. There's there was like this little animation <laughs> that he would do with like two objects and this little blue thing would happen just and then smacking poof, them you'd... together like yeah like, like all of a sudden yeah. you've got like an M9 and you're like whoa okay I didn't know that a coffee cup and a bandage make an M9 but here we are well video games that's how I uh, mean, Minecraft happens works, all the time like... exactly yeah <laughs> yeah that's kind of the calling for you I don't know Player Unknown's Battlegrounds is way better it's way Player better. Unknown's it's... a great game everyone should yeah, try I need, it out I, I need to get into that. Player Dude, you totally should. Definitely. I, yeah, totally, I totally should. Going. I, I've got a new desktop showing up tomorrow, so oh, man. Ah, I, I'll see. definitely get. I'll definitely get into that. Excellent. That sounds like we're going to have to do a three uh, a three person team at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely I steered same. myself Xbox away from saying a three way there on on purpose, <laughs> but I, I really I really thought about saying a three way. Like, no one's judging uh, here, Mike. Don't worry. <laughs> Mike Pierce and them open relationships. We've already gone past this. We, <laughs> it's nothing new. That's true. Yeah, three three ways. No, yeah, definitely nothing new. Well, yeah, no. The uh, well, I, I was listening back to the episode from like two weeks ago, and it starts off with uh, you two declaring your polyamorous relationship. So yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So nothing new. Totally normal, man. Yeah, completely. Yeah. It's like it's just par for the course these days. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us this week (laughs) on the Gaming Trend Reboot. We greatly appreciate it. Remember, we always air uh, every week on Mondays. uh, Our sexual exploits. To bring you the latest video game news and discussion and uh, impressions. Uh, My name is Joe DeClara. I am the news editor at Gaming Trend. You can follow me on Twitter at Joey Dagabonets. Uh, also, stay tuned uh, for some work for me. We're going to be. I didn't mention that I've also been playing Hearthstone because I play Hearthstone all the time. It's a constant in my life, and we'll be having some interesting Hearthstone news, Hearthstone coverage in, for you in the coming days. Uh, so, stay tuned for that. Christian, where can our fine listeners find you, and what are you working on? 
You can find me on Twitter at LockerKid, and you can also read my review of Telltale's The Walking Dead Episode 5 and of uh, Town of Light coming soon. All right, excellent. Hunter, where can we find you on the internet, and what could we read or watch or uh, experience of yours? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Hunter underscore Wolf with an E, and you can read my review of uh, Magikarp Jump on um oh my i gosh. guess that'll be up this weekend a full yeah it's, review. A t- it's it's terrible yeah uh, just don't <laughs> don't even read the review because it's not gonna get a good score i'll tell you that all right excellent the ringing endorsement if i've ever heard one mike pierce where can we find you uh you can find me on twitter at grumpy gamer that's grumpy with two r's and uh stay tuned on gamingtrend.com for my review i think it's going to be coming out uh, well, this will air on Monday, so I would expect it sometime that same week, late, later later that week, uh, my review of Rising Storm 2 Vietnam. And there'll probably be some some uh, footage of that posted on our YouTube channel, which is Gaming Trend Vids here and there. So check all that stuff out. All right, excellent. And if you ever want to get in contact with us, of course, you could always email Mike or myself uh, at the email address gaming uh, gamingtrend dot uh, fuck podcast <laughs> at gamingtrend.com. Again, fuck we air podcast dot gamingtrend.com. <laughs> Again, we air. Again, we air. The official every gaming trend dating site. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna end the recording. I give up. <laughs>